Bailey and Harper. We've returned. It's 9.30 on a Thursday morning. We got shit to do, but it starts with this. Roman Harper, good morning, sir. How are you? We have shit to do, and it starts with this. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not be- even mad at that. I love that. You and I have been up for like three and a half, four hours each. It's been a long day already. I've, yeah. It has. I'm, I'm popping a Dr. Pepper before 10 a.m. This is normally not my stilo or yep. my style or yep. my swag, no. but... Sometimes it's just necessary. It is that kind of day. I, I, I have already. It's raining. I'm slurping coffee right now. Like I'm on my second 40-ounce cold brew right now. I've also worked out. I've watched Bluey while I worked out. Bluey. Morning. Bluey. Clutch. Clutch, clutch stuff right there. <laughs> uh, I've taken the trash out. There we go. I made the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some stuff this morning. I, I, made, s- I, made, I made two beds this morning. My boys, both of my boys' bed. My kids, my older kids are home from school today. I, I don't know why. Oh, parent-teacher conference. Sorry, my wife just told me. Yeah. Parent-teacher conference. So I got three kids here running around just trying not to let them be on iPad all day. We just spent the first 60 seconds of this show telling people basically we're adult men with children. With children. That's, oh. what, that's how life goes. Because it's the struggle. It it's is. everyday stuff, yeah. Kyle. But we still find time to get the work in. No doubt, still f- Oh, you know what else I did this morning? What would you do? I, uh, I texted our mutual pal, Paul Feinbaum who you filled in for last week, admirably, I might add. Thank you. Um, and Paul Feinbaum wants to come by and hang out and do the podcast next week. I, I think Paul just wants to see my house low-key. This is, is what this is, that is, what like, this is? This is like the little things he does low-key. Right. That, like, nobody – you just got to understand the mind of Paul Feinbaum. How it's always working. Uh-huh. It's always working. Oh, yeah. It's never not oh, yeah. Absolutely. just being okay. So I think deep down, this is what he's looking with. I think okay. so. So, yeah, Paul Feinbaum's going to jump on next week. Uh, well, SEC Women's Tournament, I think, next week, but sometime after that. So, uh, oh, I can't got- wait, man. I mean, did you? I mean, Alabama-Auburn last night was a crazy great game on basketball. I, I, I just love tournament time in basketball. Yeah. And now that we're fast approaching it, you see all the North Carolina fans around here, they're all starting to believe that they have a chance to at least get in the tournament. And so um, as bad as they played all year long, you can go out there and get yourself right, right there in position to win a championship. Understood. No, last night for me, though, I, was, uh, I had Hornets, and I had Hornets' sons. KD was what, in town. What's the Hornets like right now? Well, because hold on, hold on, time out, time out. Last night, Kevin Durant's in town to make his Phoenix Suns debut, right? Oh, yeah. So, I don't know if you, you – again, you've well, been Well, he's been on the team mode. for like two weeks, but hasn't played. Hadn't played. So, he made his Suns debut last night, and uh, he cooked – because that's what KD does. Uh, they, 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 beat, <laughs> they beat the Hornets by 14. And, uh, but the cool thing about that was KD's been in town since, like, Monday. Right? Really? He, oh, yeah. You didn't, he, so he, not only has he been popping up around Uptown, you can't miss oh, KD. Oh, I saw him on a uh, – that's why one of my, a friend of mine, I follow him on Instagram, he said, just when Kevin Durant pops up at your son's yeah. basketball game. Yeah, like the Slim Reapers <laughs> just, like, popping up in the, like the French Quarter and stuff. Just like, but not only that, right? So the night before the game – He's at the Myers Park playoff game. Yeah, that's and, my that's my boy. His son plays at Myers Park. Which one? A friend of mine. His name's Yandrick. Oh, okay. So, uh, right. His so son, I think but not, Nazir Muhammad's Nazir son Muhammad, exactly. that's is it. one of the high recruits that's on Myers Park's team. Correct. Who I'm sure that's why the Slim Reaper. I think said. George Lynch's son also plays at Myers Park, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe um, so. Um, Lynch that played at North Carolina, right? That, yeah, he, he does the Hornets live, Hornets mm-hmm. broadcast now, pregame, halftime, post. So they were there, Eric Collins, Ashley They Shamedy. said the boys' team is legit this year. Oh, they're going to the state semifinals on Saturday. Yeah. So it's funny. Like, So Kevin Durant just pops up at this local high school <laughs> playoff game, right? And he's, but they, they said he does that all – he loves basketball. He's a junkie, right? He like, just loves basketball. And that's why even though I love getting jokes off about him being sensitive online and burner accounts <laughs> and shit, like I do love the fact that he loves the game that much. And so it's really cool. But, yeah, he's popping up, and he does the 
courteous thing. His seven-foot ass is standing on the top bleacher. With a, <laughs> so he's not blocking anybody else's view, right? So he's back. There. It's awesome, man. And so the cool thing was they see Myers Park win. And the team that Myers Park's going to face on Saturday, not that anybody outside of Charlotte gives a shit about this, I understand, but it's a, it's a cool story. So Myers Park wins, they're going to the state semis, and they're going to face North Mecklenburg, North Mech. And they had a kid drop 62 in their win last night, or two nights ago. North oh, Mech yeah. did? Absolutely. This kid, Isaiah Evans, dropped 62. He had, a, he had a, uh, a three as time expired in the first overtime to force a second overtime, and then they won the game, and he dropped 62. You put up 62 and your team barely wins? <laughs> takes two overtimes? Bro, are you kidding me? Are you, <laughs> you're criticizing this high school kid putting up 62? No, I'm shocked that he scored 62 and they needed two overtimes to still win it. Right. Like, that's what I'm saying. No, you're right. No, fair enough. But, like, yeah, it's in North Mech and Myers Park. It's going to be legendary. I don't think KD's going to take that it's one It's crazy but. to me that, that – I mean, it's not that crazy, but growing up in Alabama and now coming to North Carolina and seeing the difference in the excitement of basketball in the high school ranks. Sure. It's like night and day, you know. It's um, a basketball state, historically. It's a historically basketball state. But I say that at this point, you know, like high school football's exploded so much here in the greater Charlotte region because of the well, massive influx of population. You got Mallard Creek, you know, you got Chambers, you got, you know, you got the private schools, uh, Charlotte Christian, Sarah You got Catholic. Independence High School. Oh, my you God. You got yeah. Providence Day that has a couple high, high quality players. They got yep. a couple five stars now. Um, and of course, Myers Park right here in my neighborhood. So, which always puts out great players and it's just a huge school. Oh yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of people here. There's a lot of kids here. And, and it's not just that. There are a lot of athletes who live here, retired here yeah. that, that never actually played here. Yeah. Right. Which is interesting. Guys like Randy Moss and Allen Iverson live here. And well, you're going to see it uh, down South as well in South Charlotte. Oh and, yeah. Um, uh, uh, and uh, what is that, Weddington? Yep. All those schools are going to start getting more and more because all the retired athletes, a lot of them, live down in that area. So as their kids start to grow up, you're going to start to see more and more in the next eight years. You're going to see even more influx of players because like Will Shipley. Look, look at Will Shipley at Clemson. He's a Weddington kid. Yeah, he is. Yeah, so I mean, he they're, is. They're but, that, but he was like going to be like one of the first. But I'm telling you, it's going to be many more afterwards because so many NFL guys have all retired out there, and that's where all their kids go to school. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, uh, we got to make sure we get this in. This is episode 73. By the way, I can't believe we went like four or five minutes and didn't. We, this up. Yeah, we went a minute. Um, so, uh, let's see. All right, so the best to ever do it, number 73. Uh, I'm going to go first. This one's easy for me. Larry Allen, uh, an absolute monster inside for the Dallas Cowboys. Number 73, Larry Allen. How do we feel about that? I, I love that pick. He's considered one of the best offensive linemen of all time, regardless of position, just Hall because of Famer Larry Allen. I he was say. able to play guard for all those years. He was actually able to play tackle. Um, and he's also known as one of the strongest people to ever play football. When they actually used to do the, the skills at the Pro Bowl, he did 225, like 40-something times. Oh, my like, God. And like, didn't even break a sweat. So, um, these are the things that everybody talks about when they bring up Larry Allen, and that's one of the greatest offensive linemen. And that's an interior lineman that I get excited about. Oh, yeah? All right? You get excited about a guy like Larry Allen. I get excited about those types. Sure. All right? Larry Allen will maul you. I mean – can you imagine Trent Williams and Larry Allen next to each other? Oh. Can you imagine those two guys? That's called nightmares, Kyle. That's, that's nightmare fuel right there. <laughs> Trent Williams and Larry Allen on this the is, same side. This is nightmares, Kyle. Oh, my God. You know how I feel about Trent Williams. Nary a sack would be allowed. 
<laughs> punishment would be delivered. <laughs> Could you imagine a double team with those two? Oh, my God. That's what I'm saying. Like, a double team would That's just be just, brutal. I mean, uh, it reminds me of something I watched the other night. I was watching a hippo chase lions through the water, right? And it was like, people don't realize how powerful hippos are and how easily they move through water. And these lions are like, fuck, 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 fuck. This thing's fast and trying to get away. And it's like, I, I, there's nothing you can do. No. They're just when they, powerful. When they, well, them, it's another animal that comes to mind. It's like a rhino. Like, when a rhino makes up its mind to just, like, mm -hmm. do something. You're, you're in trouble. It's just like, you're in trouble. It's game over. It's, yeah, it's like, all right. Yeah, you better I, hope you're not out of lives at that point. It's exactly. Game over. Yep. Um, Who's your 73? All right, I'm my sorry. 73 is a former teammate of mine and hopefully future Hall of Famer, Jari Evans. He was the fifth, no, Fourth round pick in my draft class um, in, what was that, 2006? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, fourth round, pick 108. He was a Super Bowl champion. He's a four-time All-Pro. Yep. Uh, he was a second-team All-Pro one time. He was a six-time Pro Bowler, and he was an NFL 2010's All-Decade team. And uh, hopefully Jari is able to get selected to the Hall of Fame and really put my uh, draft class – uh, just put us up one more rung. Look, you got to think about it. We had how many? We had a first round pick, second round pick, fourth round pick, one fifth round. Well, Rob Ninka, which was fifth round pick, which we didn't keep. Then we had another fifth round pick. So first, second, fourth, fifth. Then we had the other two were two seventh rounders. So we had six guys all play 10 or more years in the league. Jesus. For my one draft class. That's so, impressive. So, and if he goes to the Hall of Fame, it really just solidify us even more. So um, it'd be really cool to see that happen. And uh, so then we can keep bragging on each other. So Okay. All right. Now I have questions. And he's another offensive interior lineman who I get excited about. I, I, appreciate the, I appreciate that you appreciate these guys. Yeah. Now I have a question. Every now and then. I have a question. Okay. So. I want a question for you, too. Go uh, ahead. Uh, well, you ask me first, then. Okay, because, all right, as I continue to listen to all these draft experts. Okay, we're in the same area, though. Okay, we're okay. In, we're, in the, we're in the same ballpark. I, I, I'm sitting up here. All these draft experts are coming out now, and everybody's got it all figured out. And you know me and my fandom towards the Panthers right now. And everybody just keeps bragging about how great this offensive line is or how great it's going to be and how much progress they made last year towards from the beginning to the end or even the year before to where they are now. And I'm just like, that, that's just not guaranteed. It's just not. And so just because your offense is, deep, is, is, is built one way, which was a run first, run first offense last year and just throw it when we had to, like it's easier to protect and it's easier when things go that way. So was it that as much as they're really just that much better? I don't know, but – I mean, everybody's all excited about anything right now. And uh, it's, it's a little bit frustrating because I don't like talking about interior linemen because I all think they're – Understood. So, so allow me to let you talk about quarterbacks then. Okay. Right? So Scott Fitterer, the general manager of your favorite football team, the Carolina Panthers, um, <laughs> he, he called my show yesterday from uh, the Combine in Indianapolis, and we, we talked for a did minute. Did you set this up or did he randomly call? No, we set this up. Why okay, would he randomly like, call? Bro, that would be rude. I'd tell him to call back when I wasn't busy. No, I'm kidding. But like, he called in from the combine, and I was peppering him with questions. Um, he seems to like, like, really like a couple of these guys. I was trying to read him. So the first guy I asked him about is Anthony Richardson out of Florida, who we'll get to in a second. He was, he was pretty quick to tell us how much they liked meeting with him the night before. Uh, he was pretty enthusiastic about Hendon Hooker. He even called him Hen. 
Some people picked, <laughs> some people picked up on a nickname there, right? They were like, oh, that must be the guy. Hinton Hooker's got, he's already calling him Hen. Like, that's got to be the dude, right? So I asked him about C.J. Stroud, and he was really, you know, complimentary C.J. Stroud. And then I asked him about Bryce, because the only issue I have with Bryce Young is durability issues, right? You're 5'10", buck 90, it's the NFL. You might just get flattened a few too many times. It's a violent league. Or he might be the outlier exception, and Bryce Young might be fine. I honestly don't know, and I hope for his case that he is. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the Panthers trading all the way up to number one, because it's a risk no matter who you draft. Like, these guys all look pretty good. You're still taking a big risk, even if it is a guy you love. I mean, what do you think about Bryce? I know it's a different game today, but do you think that he's going to deal with some of those durability issues? Because that well, seems I, I to be – I think we're at the time where – in the draft process where we're going to find holes in everybody's game. But hadn't that always been a concern with him? With the NFL, I mean. Well, so the thing is, is like, it's not like we just found out Bryce Young was small. Fair. <laughs> it's like, Fair point. Dude's been balling and small yep. his whole life. Yep. So for me, that's where I'm just like, we need to just take a step back. These quarterbacks who have been successful at all levels of their life. All right. And just because they're small, like, it's not like they just got small. It is not like other players around them are just now going to get way bigger. It's kind of been that way the whole time. And so, yes, it is a concern. But we are in the season, the talking season of draft, where now is the time where we start to pick holes in everybody's game. And this is the only hole that he has. Like, literally, if you watch the tape, you're like, dude, I mean, there's nothing this guy can't do. If he was 6'1", 6'2", nobody would be having any conversations. Like, that's the number one pick. (laughs) The draft starts at two. That's what we'd be saying, probably. (laughs) Exactly. So, because we actually have something to pick holes into his game about, that is what people are going to focus on. And so, and it's not going to go away. Can I say something? I will say this, Kyle. I saw him at the Super Bowl. Yeah. And um, when I spoke to him, he's doing – I mean, he's great. He is growing his hair to at least appear a little bit taller. I did see that, yeah. Yeah, he's growing his hair. I think it was a smart idea. So, good job, Bryce. He's always been a smart kid. Wish I could do that. And if he went – like, I'm telling you, once you interview him, you're going to be freaking blown away with the kid. Very soft-spoken, very humble, and his football acumen is off the charts. Oh, they seem to love him over there. Like, they (laughs) they seem to really – I mean, what's not to like? And and the fact that he played in the – what was it, the Outback Bowl or whatever the hell it was? Oh, uh, the Cotton Bowl. That Uh, one. No, no, no. He played in the Sugar Bowl, sorry. Oh, yeah, it was a Sugar Bowl. What am I thinking? But, yeah, the fact that he played in a game that he absolutely did not have to play in. And he lit it up. It lit it up. Like, that told me a lot about his character. So, I like him. But I got to go to your guy, Sean Payton, who, like, two months ago was on with Cowherd, and he was like, listen – he goes, I just think we need to get back to let's not take guys who aren't prototypical NFL bodies in the top 15 picks. No doubt. I understand that. And so that's where I'm just like, okay, I get it, but we're watching what's happening with Tua right now. Is that going to be a replay with Bryce? Because that's a concern that some people have. I don't no, know. No, not at all, because Tua and Bryce are completely two totally different quarterbacks. Are they that different, though? Yes, they are, especially when you go to the study habits or – the things that you really, when you do deep dives on these players, the things that come out when you ask about either player when they were coming out. When it was Tua, it was all about, oh, he plays with great instincts. He might not be the smartest. He might not be the most effective in these type of areas. But he just sees it and whips it. He just is a, a feel guy. He just has this un, uncanny ability. And even my man John Vilma uh, attested that, too. He's like, dude, I don't know how Tua sees these things. He's like – He's looking down the field. They got like a deep over route, and they got a post route behind it. 
And he's like, dude, he's throwing the post route, and it don't even look open. But he's, like, looking, and he just lets it ride. And then next thing you know, the safety thinks he's going to the over, and the post is wide open. He's like, I don't know how he did it. He said, but he's doing it a lot. And they run these deep overs and crosses, all these things, and he just finds a way to throw it 30 yards down the field before the guy even turns his head or before he breaks out and need the balls on time. Like, these are just instinctual field things that Tua did. The very first time he busted on the scene, he beat Georgia, cover two, to Devontae Smith down the left half shot, down the left, left sideline. He's looking down the pipe, boom, just turns and throws it blind, and it's a dime. You know what I mean? Like, these are things that you just like, ugh. Yeah, he's like, I don't know how he did it. I don't. We don't. But he saw, like, there's some Mahomes there. There is, but he doesn't have the arm strength and the athletic ability of a Mahomes. Now, Bryce Young, dude's a freaking magician in the pocket. Like, and then you love the things that you see. Oh, I'm talking about Young when I say there's some Mahomes there. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I jumped in. I might have jumped in at the wrong point. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking simultaneously, but yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I, and with, with Bryce... The dude's a freaking magician in the pocket. So he just doesn't take hits. So that's a good thing. But then at the same time, like when you watch him pre and post snap, I mean, he comes to the line, he gets all the protections. Like most college quarterbacks are not doing that. He's setting the protections. These are NFL stuff. And you see it on a down in, down out basis. That's what I'm talking about when you're going into like breaking these things down and you look at his tape and you do these deep dive ins. And the words that are coming out from Alabama and with coaches on that staff saying, like, look, we give out the packet on Sunday, all right? By Monday morning, he's already telling us, okay, he doesn't like this play. He likes this co- – he doesn't like these plays versus this coverage. He likes this better. He's already digested it all and spit it back out, and now is correcting you on the things that he's comfortable with. These are the things that you want out of a quarterback yes, on Sundays. absolutely. So, like, that's what I mean, like – it's it's just poking hole season right now. And if this is what we can poke holes in, which is his size, because we have nothing else to poke holes in. Like, you're not going to talk about his accuracy. You're not going to talk about him being how smart he is and be able to set up the line, figuring out playbooks. Like, you're not going to be able to talk about anything besides his size. So right now, that's what they do. And, and that's it. That's the only knock. That's what I've been saying is that it does yeah. concern me. I and agree. Sean Payton is right. I understand it because in the NFL, look, if I got two guys that are same – and a whole bunch, all these, all of them check these same boxes. I'm just gonna take the bigger one. Yes, like that's because like that's the rule. Of because the game. The, it, it eventually even got to Cam Newton, and that guy was a terminator. Like just in terms of how he was built, the beating eventually got to him. Yes, and he's a monster, right? So it's, it's but but Bryce is a completely different. Understood, understood. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Completely can he avoid different. those hits, right? Because it only takes a couple. That's what you worry about, though. Right. But but like you said, that's the only thing we can really critique. <laughs> that is literally. Now, so you said something there, though, about like. But if Bryce puts on 10 pounds in the next three years, like he just protects just a little bit more body armor. And you got to have the offense built and catered around him. That's why Lamar Jackson has been successful. Yeah. That is why Bryce Young will be successful. If you build the offense that allows him to be the best version of himself, a little bit more shotgun. We will go under center more. I didn't see him do it a ton. But I know he can do it. It's nothing but taking a snap. Oh, yeah. So you learn how to do these things and you build offenses around the, your, your star players. 
And so if you do that, he's going to be successful. For sure. So you talked about, like, you know, get in the playbook. He's on top of the game plan from Sunday to Monday, all that stuff. That's the big concern for some people about Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Now, Scott Fitterer told me yesterday that, you know, they, in meeting with him, they were like, no, he's more up to speed than maybe, you know, some people realize, you know, we're, we're pretty comfortable with where he is. That was the gist of what he had to say. Like, the thing about Richardson, though, is – you talk to one person, he should be the number one overall pick. You talk to another guy, they've got him ranked 99th on their board, right? This The thing is, you watch the good Anthony Richardson stuff, and you're like, shit, that could be a lot of fun in the NFL. And then you watch bad Anthony Richardson, and you're like, oh, that's a day three guy. I don't want anything to do with that dude, right? So what do you like, – Well, you don't even say it's a day three guy. You said he should stay in college. That's, that's it. Yeah, he should stay exactly where he is. He needs to yes. learn how to play Very accurate, more. yes. So, I, look, I, nobody watched Anthony Richardson – well, I'm not going to say nobody, but I cover the SEC. Right. So I'm all asking you. All the top you. quarterbacks this year, all are coming from the SEC. Pretty besides much. Besides one, C.J. Stroud, which I broke him down a lot of his games. I like him. Going into the Georgia game. So I know all of these quarterbacks extremely well this year. I feel very confident speaking on all of them. Now, Anthony Richardson is a guy who a lot of people are extremely high on. Right. And so I'm, I understand that because you see the raw talent and ability and the, 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 the high ceiling. Mm-hmm. He, has an ext- he has the highest ceiling probably out of all the quarterbacks. Right. Because of his arm strength, he's 6'4", 230. Yep. So he checks that box. He's going to run a 4'4", probably low 4'3". Like, who, like a 4'3", 4'4". Dude's going to be blazing. He's Tantalizing. The best, he's the best athlete on the field, and he can throw a 65, 70-yard bomb with a flick of the wrist. So he has all these things, right? Like Bryce Young can't throw a 65-yard pass with a flick of the wrist. He can't do it. But he's going to hit you with a 45-yarder, bro. That's on a- point. After, after making a spin move yeah. and moving two guys in the pocket and, and diamond somebody. Like, yep. So it, it's different ways to skin a cat. Yep. The thing about Anthony Richardson is, like, number one, he didn't have a lot of weapons on the outside. I understand that. But you also understand this dude went games without throwing touchdown passes. I know. Games. It's concerning. It, it was like <laughs> – and, like, and in these games where he wasn't throwing touchdown passes, it wasn't like he wasn't throwing the ball. He was throwing it to the other team. A lot. <laughs> so it's concerns that keep going up and up. So you have these red flags, but what outweighs it is the athleticism and the talent on the other side. And, look, as coaches – Man, they all go through this thing where, like, man, if I get him, I can yes, fix him. Yes, that's it. I can fix him. That's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it. That is the biggest concern when I see so many of these coaches. And a lot of these coaches, bro, you ain't got time for all this. You don't have time to fix what is broken or what's not complete because, I mean, you're only going to get one or two other years now. So it's it just it's the cycle that we always go through. We always know quarterbacks are the most coveted position in the NFL. They're also the most overhyped, the most overdrafted. They're the most inflated. Every other word that you use, you can talk and use with that when it comes to quarterbacks. I love Anthony Richardson's game. I love his athleticism, his arm strength. I just think, man, it's going to be – because he didn't – like, he got fooled a lot of times on some trap corner coverages to yeah. the field. Yeah. Like, he got fooled. Like, he just – just didn't see it. Yep. And a lot of Florida's past concepts had to be, all right, it's not like one, two, all right, come to the other side, three, four. Like, it wasn't full reads. It was, boom, you see something, and they're building concepts off of one side. Do you like it, this, that, and other, or take a check down? And so that's good because that's what he had, and he did with 
what he did with what he had to do. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's just like, man, the NFL is so much tougher than that. Right. And so you got to get the right quarterback coach, the right system, the right everything if you want this young man to be truly successful like going forward. Well, not, I just not, don't think you're just going to like, okay, draft Andrew Richardson, we good. No. I don't think it's that you, you can't drop him into – like they feel like they are legit. Dan Orlovsky was on ESPN two days ago being like, the Panthers are a quarterback away. It's a good roster. It's a really good roster. And blah, I heard blah. this. And, but he was like – This know, is what I was talking about with the whole high school thing. And, and I do think that he's largely right about that. They need to add a piece or two. They need to find another edge rusher. But like they're close. If you drop a you know a top end quarterback in with that group, they're a playoff team right away. If only because the division sucks right now, um, that is absolutely true. Yep. But if that's the plan, you can't drop Anthony Richardson in week one next year and expect him <laughs> to go make the playoffs. Like I, I don't think you can. Like doesn't that dude need some time to learn and sit and observe? Like, so so this has been the uh, the big argument here is that all right, yes, but then it's like some people are like well how do you learn if you're on the bench? You know what? I know football and basketball are different. How but I had, a great, I had a great conversation with Steve Clifford, the head coach of the Hornets, about this. And he was talking about it in a press conference a few weeks ago when people were asking, hey, is it time to play the rookies? Is it time to play the young guys? And he was like, listen, minutes are good, but minutes aren't the only way for guys to develop. He's like, we, yeah. have, he's like, we have the G League. You know, we, we get a lot of great work in practice. Like, uh, this, it's not – it's like well, years ago, that's exactly how young guys developed. And so they all sat. Look at Mark Williams now. They all sat. Nobody, nobody came in and played as a, as a rookie. Right. And, and you sat. Mark you Williams' learned. last eight games, the dude's averaging like 13, 10, and two blocks. Like, he's playing his ass off. And he sat for most of the year, played in the G League. So all I'm saying is dudes can get better without getting, you know, game reps or without being the starter and thrown into the fire. Like, maybe you can get him up to speed. But the point is, Carolina thinks, well, first of all, the owner needs to start winning because they haven't made the playoffs in five years. But, like, you know, <laughs> they've invested in this coaching staff. They've got a good a roster. Lot. You can win right now. You I can, think, yeah, well, the division allows you to win. Exactly. But I do think they have a, a lot of good players and guys they're going to bring back. But the point is, like, can you do that with that rookie? I think, you, I think Bryce Young could step in and be your point guard, right, and give the ball to Deontay Foreman and, you know, find DJ Moore and, and Zero Evero's defense can clamp down. Like, I think there's a formula there with a guy maybe like a Bryce Young um, or even a C.J. Stroud. But, like, if Anthony Richardson is, in fact, that raw, you can't do that. You well, gotta, so, so you probably got to play I've Sam heard both sides. I've heard both sides, Kyle, and the fact is, like, all right, will you bring him in? Do you sit him? No. Do you bring him in and then, like, you got to play him, right? Because that's the only way he's going to get better. I agree. Is if you play him. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, I don't know if bringing in – and you don't want to crush your dude's – confidence early either no you can ruin them you ruin them yeah like if you play them too early they're not ready they get gun shy they get hit a little too much and the last thing you want your quarterback doing your first round quarterback doing is like you know and I you know pardon my language but jacking the ball off in the in the pocket you know just uh, uh just holding on to it holding on to it then getting hit and then they always get gun shy now they're afraid to pull the trigger instead of really truly understanding what he's trying to get accomplished on each play call is he seeing the defense clearly? Is he understanding what they're trying to do to him? Is he, is he completing passes on third down? Is he moving the chains? Those things. And so it's just really hard for me to say or project that, oh, man, he's going to just – he's going to make leaps and bounds if you draft him high, even though he didn't make these same leaps and bounds in college at a lower level. You know, it's just really hard to say. Yeah. And I know if you can put better talent around him, that would naturally – help him make better, more plays. 
but but it it's just really tough. Yeah, I, I don't think Anthony Richardson comes in and starts and just takes the Carolina Panthers to the playoffs. Now, could it happen? Yeah. I mean, because he could start running and going crazy. But I'm telling you, when I watch him run, he's not like this. He ain't like Tim Tebow, where he's like a willing runner, like wanting to run the ball. He ran the ball on necessity sometimes. Now, when he runs it, Kyle, he's the prettiest thing looking. He's oh, yeah. thoroughbred. Oh, yeah. But he, he does, he's not like a guy that's like, oh, let me just take off. That's not, that's not his mentality. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just – Quarterbacks, this is a good class of guys. I don't care it what is, any, I don't it is. Ca- and it's a diverse class of guys. Absolutely. You got four or five guys in the top five that are all very different. I, I'm dealing with people right now that, you know, with Texas. Very, very different. That you got be, Bryce. Yes. Who's smaller, but literally checks every box. But precise. I mean, just a surgeon. It's, I mean, if, if, if he wasn't short, there'd be no question we would have deemed him the very first pick in the draft unquestioned six months ago six weeks ago at least yeah it would have been over all right next you have cj stroud throws the best ball most catchable ball everybody loves him you were concerned with like man can he create when things around him break down all right everybody watched the georgia game now they're like oh man he oh he's so great Mm -hmm. he can do it i still worry about the Ohio State factor. I haven't seen a great quarterback come from Ohio State yet. You name me one, I'm still waiting. Right. I mean, the, the, Maurice Claret was great. No, no, no. Quarterback. I'm kidding. Okay. I was, I was, looking, at, I was looking at running back. So I was saying, okay. All right. For some reason, you, <laughs> wow, I'm embarrassed now. Because you said, when you were talking about that, I was looking at something about a running back, and yeah. I, I, I equated what you said to running back, and I was like, whoa, we're not, we're not going to leave. I'm not going to miss an opportunity to talk about Maurice Claret. So anyway, that was my stupidity. All right. Um, then you got next in line, you have Anthony Richardson, or, and we just did a deep dive in it, or Will Levis. And Will Levis. I didn't even ask Scott Fitterer about Will Levis yesterday in the hopes that he would take the signal that I don't want Will Levis here. <laughs> so Will Levis for me is like, look, he's going to look pretty as shit. It, yes. He's going to look pretty. He's athletic. I mean, I mean, he's athletic for a quarterback, all right? And he's big. He, you know, he eats bananas with a pill on it. Ugh. He puts mayo and coffee and shit. Vile, bro. And people are all about it. And sometimes you can go viral and be great. But, man, when you watch a couple of his games, he was bad. Bad, bad. He turns the football over at a high rate and has done that for two straight years. And so, for me, I'm a little concerned with that. Um, But somebody's going to love his arm strength. And and Mel Kuyper had him for a long time, the number one quarterback in the draft class. So, um, and, you know, I'm just a little bit concerned because I said the same thing about Sam Darnold. I said when he would get – Turns it over too much. Yeah, he would turn it over too much, but he'll get it cleaned up, and he didn't. He didn't. He never did. So that's that's another thing that kind of bothers me with that. And then with Hendon Hooker, of course, you have the um, the injury concern coming off the ACL. Somebody going to say about age, but I like an older quarterback. Like Plus, that. they it play longer anyway, and he's a pocket it, guy. It bothers me. Look at what Geno Smith said. Geno Smith's career. Somebody that, people try to clown Gino's me. Geno's a great example. Bro, they tried to clown me when I, when I compared him to Geno Smith. And I'm like, I'm not saying he's going to be the exact same player. But, like, he's a guy who has some feet. Like, he can move. He can extend plays. You know, he can get you a first down. Gino has a great arm. Yeah, and he's not going to wow you with his speed. But, like, the point, he's a pocket passer. Yes. And because of that, he's going to be able to last in this league if he wants to for the next 10 to 15 so years. So, Hendon Hooker is going to blow you away in an interview. Yes. He's amazing. Comes from a great family. Like, 
you love this. You buy stock in players like him. Sure. Right. For the long term, you buy stock. Absolutely. In guys like you that. want that guy in your locker room. No doubt. He's only going to. He's get- a children's faith based book author. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> he wrote a faith based children's book in his spare time in college you, while almost winning the Heisman. Are you, you kidding you me? You buy stock in players like that. Yes, you do. In young men like that, you buy stock in it. All right. You look at his backup. His backup was his biggest fan. And not only that, but his backup, when everybody else leaves teams now, whenever you don't get the starting job, he said, no, I'm staying. I'm getting better in this quarterback room and on this team. I'm becoming a better person. All right? So these things are the things that I listen to and pay attention to. And also with Hendon Hooker, my, only, my biggest concern outside of the injury, Kyle, is the fact that, look, from 12 to 15, sometimes 18 yards down the field in the NFL – it's a sweet spot on the field. That two yards outside the hash or two yards from the top of the numbers, all right, that two-yard mark in there, that two yards on either side of the hash marks, outside the hash marks or inside the hash marks. When a quarterback has to hit a wide receiver coming across that place in any of those spots, it's got to be a freaking layup, a layup every single time. And it's like small parts in tight windows that you got to dime a ball in there. No hesitation. It's got to be a layup. I saw Hendon miss a lot of those throws in this offense that they run, where the offenses, they spread them all the way out, and they get Jalen Hyatt one-on-one. He's throwing deep balls all over the place. But some of these individual routes, these tight window throws, he missed. And so he has to clean those throws up if he wants to be successful on Sundays because – I mean, those are the windows. And I think he can. And we were talking about this with somebody. Um, you know, I was talking to a couple of draft well, he, guys he, about he it. He didn't have to do it that he's, much. Well, the it's, thing is, he's got, different. he's got really clean mechanics. Yes. The way he throws the football. And that's what makes you, I, I think, make you hopeful that, you know, I guess a little bit like Gino, but especially for Hendon, he's got really clean mechanics. He's 6'4". Like, you can touch that, that is stuff a, That up. is a great point, Kyle. Um, I was just working at Under Armour football camp this past week, uh, and Jeff Blake was there. You remember Jeff Blake, mm-hmm. quarterback? Mm-hmm. Had one of the best deep balls before Russell Wilson had the deep air, oh, yeah. really deep ball. Just drop it in a bucket. Drop it in a bucket. Yeah. And he was talking to me about mechanics and how he teaches all the quarterbacks. He's, he's over the quarterbacks at IMG Academy down there in Florida. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, it's a great spot. <laughs> it's a great spot. I mean, Kyle, they got three different high school teams. I know. It's I know. Bananas. They it's got a nuts. national, a white, and a blue team. I'm I like, had a friend what? who used to t- teach and train tennis there, and she, <laughs> she described it to me once. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it, it's next level, guys. Yeah. I need to take a tour. <laughs> it's next level. So he's over all the quarterbacks. And so he was telling me and showing me the difference in mechanics, keeping your shoulder square where the ball needs to be, where it should not break, where it could be. And he was like – so many people look at Patrick Mahomes and we get all enamored with all these great things like his mechanics are terrible but he's so talented he's able to get away with it but young people think that oh that's the way to do it here's the thing I'll disagree with you slightly on that his mechanics are great when he's set when he's setting his feet in the pocket and delivering routine throws what makes him special is he can do those, those things routinely but because of his baseball background he throws in multiple arm slots oh and God. off platform better than just about anybody else in the league because well, he's been doing it his whole life he showed me a play Patrick Mahomes run rolling to his left he's like dude right here if you're a quarterback at IMG you're gonna pull up set your feet and throw this ball Patrick Mahomes running to his left Kyle throws it like underarm sidearm going to his left doesn't even stop breaks his arm down and just slings it yep and dimes the guy in the back of the end zone he's like young people see this and think I should be doing this. He's right. like, 
you are not him. You can't do this. This ball is going to go out of bounds somewhere. Sure. <laughs> when you try and do this. Yes. But this is what so many people think. They're like, oh, this is what's going to make me a great quarterback. Instead of consistency in your technique and like you're saying with Hendon Hooker, your base of how you throw and deliver the ball on a consistent basis. And I don't if even that's think – right, you're going to be an accurate thrower of the football because yeah. your technique and everything is up under you. You're not, you're not striding. You're not rolling the ball back to come forward. All that's time instead of just here and, and freaking straight arm delivering and firing the ball out. Yeah, and not to get too in the weeds, but, like, I don't even know if Hendon Hooker has a baseball background, but, like, when you think when I think of Patrick Mahomes and I watch some of the throws that he makes, some of those throws oh, come from – Oh, it's a shortstop. Well, they come from him, exactly, fielding <laughs> ground balls in the infield, char- charging in on, let's say, a softly hit ground ball, and he's having to throw basically submarine yeah. a- as he's falling forward because that's what baseball players do. Yes, all So the he time. understands the way the ball bends coming out of his hand yeah. when, he hit, when you throw it like that. Yes. Because the further over the top you come, the ball's flat and it's straighter but when you're throwing in lower arm slots it tends to tail yeah. right so he gets that he, the football does that yeah right so he has to he has an innate understanding of yeah, what the ball is going to do coming out of his hand and a lot of big arm dudes who don't have baseball backgrounds don't have that no. right they're really good at like strict mechanics this is my one arm slot yeah. i'm really good at this one thing yeah. if i can't do this one thing i'm taking a sack or i'm throwing it away like yeah. I, I can't do that that's what makes him special. well the, and and Another quarterback who has off the charts like that in this year's draft is Will Levis. Yeah. Will Levis can throw the ball from any type of arm angle, and he can throw it deep, and he can throw it fast with high velocity. He can – not always accurate, but he definitely can throw it with velocity and some things. So it's like, man, like and this is what all these people are having to decipher. Real quick on him, though. He's throw, he threw 23 interceptions in two seasons at Kentucky, right? Yep. And so and I, that's not even counting fumbles. Well, right. And so I, I saw there was an, somebody put this compilation video together, like how seven of them were, were supposed to be like, hey, these were tip balls, right? But even in those seven, some of those balls were thrown so far behind the receiver, they were reaching back to try to catch it, and they tapped it. Like, it was a tip ball. Yeah, because he had to reach back to a yard and a half behind him to try to make the catch, man. Like, people – some guy texted my show the other day, and he's like, man, you hate Will Levis. I was like, no, I'm sure he's a fine kid, and his mama loves him, and he's a great, you know, member of his community. You but just like, don't want him on your team. I just don't think I'd draft him, personally. <laughs> like, that's just me, and if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll say I was wrong. Like, I'm not going to root against him. But you got you got to get this right if you're Carolina. So I just don't think that's the way they should go. Well – Top 10, I, I, I truly think you might be able to stay at nine and get your guy. Who's your guy? You can't know that without knowing who the guy is. Well, that too. Well, who is your guy? So I, most people that I talk to, they're like either trade up and go get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or wait and get Hendon Hooker at the end of the first, early second. All right. Oh. All right, okay, so there's something, so, there's something else so I want to talk to. who is the guy? Who's the guy? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I, Dan, it feels like Dan Orlovsky because he almost took a job with the Panthers this offseason, right? He said that on, on the Pat McAfee show, told everybody this week. He was like, yeah, I almost took a job with the Panthers. I mean, they hired Josh McCown instead. Right. I mean, it's like- so the point, point is they had, he has to have been in conversations where he has a really good idea at least, if not outright knows, what they're about to do at quarterback. And in the last week, since admitting that he almost took a job here, he has talked about how great Anthony Richardson is as much as he possibly can. Uh, that since his very first game, he thought Anthony Richardson was going to be special. And he's yelling at the Panthers to go get your quarterback, go get your quarterback. So, so I'm not mad if they get Anthony Richardson at nine. I don't think I'd trade up to one to go get Anthony Richardson. I agree. I, I just, would not do that either. If you can get him at nine, that's fantastic. I agree. And so, and I say that because you literally have Frank Wright, who's a former quarterback, who's your head coach, who's going to be calling plays. Then you got Josh McCown, who is a former quarterback. Right. Who – 
you know, has been around, has played as many games as just about anybody. Sure. With a whole bunch of teams. Yeah. Right? So he's seen all the systems. He's he can tell you pull a Rolodex of just like memories. Okay, well, this was this situation. Hey, yep. this was this. Yep. Then they also have Caldwell, who's a quarterback whisperer himself. <laughs> I mean, you literally got three or four guys who are like all quarterback guys. Yep. So if you're gonna have like a, a coaching staff that's willing to just like massage and treat this this quarterback like like um uh what is that Kobe beef you know what I mean <laughs> like, like he, he ain't walking he done we're, we're literally gonna treat this quarterback like Kobe beef all right and this I mean to me Kyle that would be the only way I'm like all right I could see it I just don't know if it's gonna work early but you got enough things around him where you at least you're saying we're trying right all right. You got to you, you, you No, no, no. I'm you have to. You <laughs> have to it. do this. The, the, here's one one scenario and we got we've done quarterbacks for like 30 minutes now, but I love it. Like if you if there's no deal they're that made, they're that important this draft. If now. you can't get up to 1 or even 3 with Arizona, let's say, which I think is feasible. You you might be able to get up to 3 with Arizona. Um, but if you can't and you're you're there at 9, do not reach for a quarterback. Do not reach for a quarterback with a ninth overall pick. What would be a reach? Uh Will Levis. Uh, that's so if Andrew Richardson's gone if Ri- if Stroud Richardson and Young are all gone and you couldn't get up if all like that's the nightmare scenario for a lot of Panthers fans all three are gone right you didn't get one see if you can trade back a few spots pick up an extra pick take Hendon Hooker be happy about it go get an edge rusher and go get a tight end that's what you do you trade back a few spots make sure you get Hendon Hooker Get a tight end, get an edge rusher. This is a great class for tight ends and edge rushers. If you come away with a tight end and an edge rusher and a quarterback, let's say, in the top 50 picks, you got to feel really fucking good about that. So, I mean, it might not be what you wanted originally, but I I think you can pull the ripcord and end up with something like that and still feel pretty good about it. Well, your team got better. I think so. Your team has to get better. Some people might hate that plan, though. Like, somebody just listened to me say that and like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Trade up. Fuck that. What a terrible plan. (laughs) No, I mean, the thing is, is they have traded a lot. And it hasn't always worked for the Panthers. So, I'm I'm, I'm with you, Kyle. I I think they got to figure out something, what to do. I I do not know. But I I am looking forward to – whatever this draft thing is going to be. I, I don't think – I think Bryce is going to be off the board early. Um, I think he's the first one taken, d- despite all the other things. Maybe C.J. Stroud can sneak in there if Indy drafts up or, or wants something to happen. But I, I imagine Houston very intrigued and wanting Bryce Young, knowing that D'Amico is the head coach right now, former Alabama guy. And just seeing what Bryce Young did in college, I mean, you can't deny. No. It's just really hard. And I know it's it's talking season, but that's going to be the knocks. I, that, that's what I'm looking forward to it all. Just I am to see too. what all everybody's going to say or do. Before we, we, we wrap up the proceedings here, um, completely out of left field, are you following along with this Alex Murdaugh murder trial? Duh. You, Kyle, you are? Right, hold, 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 time out, time out, time out, time out. So can I tell you I didn't even know anything about this me thing neither. until last I week? I just got into it oh, this me week. Too. It's the perfect time. Me and you, high five. High five, bro. So like, I'm, I, I'm doing the Netflix series right now. I'm on like episode two right now. Oh, yeah, now. I already did all that. You already watched the whole thing? I watched it. So I, I know generally what kind of happened here, so I'm not up to speed. I don't have a great deal of commentary, but I, I am. So one of the guys in my building, uh, there's a very popular radio show here in Charlotte and the greater region, Matt Ramona, right? Ramona Holloway, Matt Harris, 107.9. Um, and Matt Harris, as part of a side gig, has been doing 
full coverage of this trial and has like 111 episodes of his podcast completely devoted to this trial. My, my wife is listening to all of them. Matt Harris is a fantastic dude. Uh, he does morning drive or afternoon drive, which is it? Morning drive, I think. Uh, yeah, mornings at 107. They're legendary around here. Mm-hmm. But Matt's been covering this trial, and so I'm just now getting up to speed. But I, I think Matt's in the Netflix documentary. I know he's been doing major you know, interviews and stuff with the outlets. Again, this shit's wild. Like, I, I didn't know the extent to which... Like, there are multiple bodies attached to these people over the last several years. I thought it was just like a singular... I thought it was a singular incident. It's like, no, there's like five or six bodies attached to these people. You know what's so interesting to me, Kyle? Is like, I mean, it's a story of what privilege sense. It's like a sense of privilege. Oh, my God. This one small community, this one family who's been in law enforcement or over... The law, they've had a piece or something into the law factors, whether yeah. it was uh, being a attorney general, whether it's being lawyers, like knowing everybody, being like keyed in and locked in with judges, mm-hmm. policemen, everything for years, three different generations of this. And now the young kids were, were kind of wilding out too. And it's just crazy. I mean, the girl came up missing on the boat. They, you know, she died. Um, I'm, I've seen then that. The, the housekeeper that died in the house. That's where I am right now. I, I, oh. I, that, that's where I am in the story right now. Yeah, and then, like, the, the find out that this guy's been stealing all this money for all these years. They kicked him out of the law firm his, his friggin' great-grandfather founded, like, 100 years ago. Man, had to. Well, yeah. He's been st- Dude, this is one of the wildest. And, again, I, I've known. And so now the case is going, like, I'm I'm in I'm just full blown I'm all in Kyle I literally sat up for a whole day and watched I couldn't you did the I whole couldn't. Netflix series no 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 the whole trial uh, the whole, tri- I the whole oh, trial oh you're watching the trial the, when he took the stand last week I literally didn't move the whole day so there's a guy you know who's representing Alex Murdaugh right yeah he's the guy that represented uh, his son Paul back in the day. <laughs> Dick Harpootlian? Yeah, whoever that guy is, he, he looks like he smells like money. Oh, wow. wow. Looks like he smells like money. No I, 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 I you like that. You know who that. else? I, I only explain a couple people that look like that. Number one, the first guy that I ever saw was like, dude, that guy looks like he smells like money. Who? Arthur Blank, owner of the Atlanta Oh, absolutely. Falcons and Home Depot. I'm like, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, that guy looks like he smells like money. Absolutely. Dude. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> Arthur, <laughs> Arthur Blank does look like he smells like money. <laughs> yes. And so... Um, so when, when Paul Paul went to trial or Paul Murdaugh went to trial for the, the murder of the, the, the young lady who died in the boat accident, Mallory beach, I believe. Yeah. Because, and then the crazy thing was, and you look at everything, have you seen all the Netflix stuff around it? No, like I'm just, I'm just now okay, diving well, then in this I won't, week. I won't ruin it for you, but just know when they went to the hospital, cause everybody had to go to the hospital and stuff like the Murdaugh's came in and tried to all get that I've seen. Mm-hmm. That much I've seen. That's wild. And now, now, now all I can think of, though, is standing next to Arthur Blank and, and smelling him. He, <laughs> I, I feel like he'd smell like money and aqua velva. That's like, it looks like that's what he He's old school. He's like, one of old like school. A great combination. Money and aqua velva. No doubt. Like just old school money. No doubt. I like that. But, yeah, the Murdoch stuff's interesting. I, I'm, I'm super intrigued. I can't wait. They just took the, the jury. They walked them around the, where the home and stuff is. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, they got 1,700 acres out there, dog. That's and a now lot of acres. And now it's going to be down to like, they're going to sell it for pennies on the dollar because who's going to want to go out there and have that? What, all the bodies? I mean, 
I'm kidding. The fact that like you have this this big house and like all this stuff out there, the dog kennels, like who's gonna come out there? If somebody buys it, they're gonna just blow mow, mow all that stuff down. I don't know, man. Somebody might find that stuff useful. I mean, look, I I, I don't I don't need seventeen hundred acres, but I mean, <laughs> you know, if I had that kind of money to throw around, and it's like a small county in South Carolina where like that family like kind of ran. Well, there's everything. nothing there. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. I know people here in Charlotte that know that family. And that's always like, dude, they've always been able to just kind of just do get away with whatever they want to get away with. And everybody knew it. And everybody knew it. And, um, you know, the fact that the young kids were drinking at an early age and the parents never really cared. And it's just all these different examples of like, man, this man, just pushing the line, just towing the line and just keep crossing it, towing the line, keep crossing it and being able to get away with it from the grandfather to the now Alex Murdoch and it's just like man it's uh it's crazy then seeing him on on the stand crying like he was getting very emotional because all you got to do is just have one juror is like I don't think he did it oh I know and he's out it's wild but it's- he's still gonna get popped on all this like money stuff oh no no his his life's ruined there's no question about that um his his life is ruined I just the guy by the way who's re- who's uh, representing him Dick Harputlian this that's the same guy who was involved with the David Tepper Rock Hill catastrophe and dick harputlian was one of the only guys yelling like hey we probably shouldn't do this like it, it costs a lot of money and we don't have that much money and you know it's kind of some bad promises here and i mean i, I don't know dick harputlian i don't know i don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy but he was involved in that it's a legendary name yeah and he then he ends up representing alex murdoch so so not only that kyle but the dude alex murdoch said he was taking 30 to 60 oxycodones a day jesus how does he still have a liver that's what i was saying that's what a lot of people were saying they're like look if anybody's taking 30 to 60 oxys a day how the fuck are they even walking i don't understand that so that's another thing that's what all right he really stole all this money and did he really use all of it for oxy or where was this money going i don't know that's, that's, I that's, that's another that's another see, now, yeah, see, but i gotta go home and watch this now man i've been busy trying to buy a house this week i'm, I'm moving to the lake so congrats gonna, thanks bro congrats. i appreciate i'm really happy for you i appreciate we're, you under, we're gonna ride jet skis that's our next adventure no, i'm a big jet ski guy i love jet skis me and you just uh, just I, cruising around on lake norman on jet skis dude i'm all about a jet ski all right cool uh roman and i will discuss our jet ski selections on the next episode we'll talk to you next time how about that well peace done out. buddy peace out man well now, there's done. a lot of quarterback talk discussion today quarterbacks and alex Murdoch. we also got some Kevin Durant and Larry Allen in there too. Yeah, yeah, we did. And Jari Evans, and Jari shout Evans. out to it. And you know, it's just funny because the the law office's name was Murdoch, 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 which almost starts to sound Murdoch, Murdoch. <laughs> you said it, Kyle, not me. All right, we'll talk to you.